more than you need. More than you need. How many guys would like that in your life? More than you need. You know, I didn't say, you know, more than you want. I said more than you need. That's what God does. Because when you have vision from God in your life, God always gives you more than you need. You want to know why? Because you are a faithful steward to his vision in your life. At the end of our end of the day, all of our lives point back to Jesus. This is why when we got saved or when we raised our hand and said the prayer, we didn't just get beamed up. Why are we suffering if we're already saved? We're suffering for the gospel to be advanced. And some of us, we need to change our definition of suffering. We're not really suffering. We're not living the high life maybe like some of us would like to. We are maybe need to redefine what success means. But God has a vision for our lives. See, the ultimate purpose of our life is not to accumulate everything. Just being honest with you. Are vacations awesome? Yes. Please take a vacation. Okay, if you haven't taken a vacation, I am pro-vacation. If you're going on a cruise, I am celebrating with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> Enjoy your life. God didn't, you know, God didn't make you uh, uh, want to suffer through life. No. But the ultimate purpose of life is not accumulation of stuff. It is not accumulation of titles. It is not accumulation of knowledge. It is not accumulation of hookups to get to the Cavs game, to sit on the courtside seats. That is not the point of life. The ultimate purpose of life is to make a difference. That is the ultimate purpose of life. It is to make a difference in our world. This is why the church began. This is why the church was formed. This is why the church is still the most powerful uh, group of people in the world. Why? Because if a church gets a hold of what God wants to do, then nothing can stop a church. Nothing can stop a group of believers. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You show me a group of people that are on fire for Jesus, and I will show you a city that is upside down for the kingdom. If you show me a family whose who's head of the household is on fire for Jesus, I will show you a family who's on fire for Jesus. If you show me a businessman or a businesswoman on fire for Jesus, I will show you a business on fire for Jesus. It's not rocket science in a lot of ways. It just it happens when we align our life, this life, this life that he's given us, and we say, God, everything I want to do, I want to do for you to make a difference. A difference. A real difference. So sometimes we can get so used to doing church and we're satisfied. We're satisfied if, you know, we fill up the chairs and the offerings are good. And praise God, we believe in tithing and giving. We do. And I want you to do that. We're satisfied, though, with listening to a message. And I know so many of you guys have been so kind and generous in your comments. And I know you're learning things. But at the end of the day, we're doing all that we're doing for what? To make a difference. That's what it's about. See, if we come in the same way and we leave the same way that we came in, what's the use? We heard a great speech, 
heard some songs. You know, there was once a unchurched person, a person that's far from God, and they had never been to church. And they came up to me one time a few years ago when I was leading worship and said, man, this is really deep, you know? Like, it's really deep spiritual things that you got. And it's like karaoke, right? Like you got the words on a screen and you just kind of sing along. I can't wait to get to know these deep songs. And the reality is this, that sometimes we can be singing these songs and we forgot the meaning. Pull me a little deeper. Pull me a little closer. We're watching Tiffany up there and she's pouring her heart off and we, it's like a show. We actually go ahead and we like the show. We're like, wow, look how Tiffany is just pouring her heart out before. This is really artistic. This is really cool, man. God's really moving in her life. But the church was not assigned to be Rose. When we gather, we're gathering so that we can make a difference. The reason why we're using technology and trying to get on social media and we'll have a mobile app soon and we're trying to upgrade things around here is not so that we can have this. It's really so that we can literally have a place for people far from God to find Jesus. That's the bottom line. John chapter 15, verse 8 to 11 says this, By this, my Father is glorified. So how do you want to glorify the Father? He says it right here. You want to make it simple? It's to do this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will, also, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that, may, that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. God Give us grace to align our lives with his purposes so that our joy may be made complete. There is a joy in salvation. There is a joy in salvation. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's not this suffering only. In fact, um, the theological definition, it's actually a cult that started this thinking that uh, asceticism is the theology behind this, that you have to suffer for Jesus. You are not a monk. You are not Hindu. Okay? You don't have to suffer for Jesus. Jesus suffered for you. This is the difference. Jesus suffered for us so that we can have joy. This is why Jesus said, when you have him in your life, your joy is complete. See, when you live your life on purpose, you have joy on purpose. Some of us were waiting for joy to show up, you know, joy unspeakable. It was a Sunday school song and we're like, J-O-Y, you know, please God, give me joy, give me joy. And we're like, it's not happening, pastor. Well, that's not how joy forms in your life. Joy happens when you find purpose that God has destined for you, predestined before you were born. If you are not in that purpose, you will never have joy in your life because you're not in the will of God. And so if you're wondering how you can make it through the craziness of life, through the ups and the downs and everything in between, through the roller coaster of life, you know how you make it? 
you're in the will of God. You're in the purposes of God. See, the world calls it transcendent living. It's actually a term. The world has come up with it. It's called living on purpose. So you have many business people, many people who are not close to Jesus actually having almost a fake sense of this purpose in their life where they live on purpose. And all of us, we just watch them on Facebook and watch them on TV and watch them on Instagram and YouTube. And we're like, we just want to be like them. It's so cool. They're just living their life. Even the crazy ones, we're like, wow, they're just doing crazy things on purpose. Have you noticed there's an attraction to people living on purpose? See, God is telling us, for us to make a difference in this world, we have to live our life on His purpose. See, God blesses us. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I am blessed. Come on, the other one too. Say, you are blessed. Come on. God blesses us. Do you understand? If you woke up today, God has blessed you. I've said this before. If you make a combined household income of $45,000, you are in the top 1% of wealthy people in the world. That is with two people working. I want you to know something. We have so fallen away from this teaching. I really believe this. Because we think that it's too hard to achieve. We've complicated things so much to the point to where we cannot even think unfocused rightly. You can't even see straight on this concept that in order for Christianity to be a blessing to us and then to others, we have to walk in the purposes of God. That God blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. Pretty much everybody listening to the sound of my voice here today is blessed. Probably those listening on podcasts, you are blessed. You are blessed beyond measure. How you live your life and the stewardship of your life makes you a kingdom builder or it does not. Do you hear me? It makes you a kingdom builder or it does not. Because kingdom building people are focused people. Kingdom-building people are planned people. Kingdom-building people are on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose kind of people. They will always stick out. They will always end up getting a microphone. They will always end up going up in the corporate ladder. They will always end up achieving things because that's what God does in their life. Now, it doesn't mean that you need to be famous. It just means that God is giving you more than you can ask or think or imagine because of the power of God in your life, working within your life. See, that need and that blessing is more than the need for yourself. Do you know that? I told the Lord this uh, about a year ago. God, I want to be known more for what I give away. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about relationships and time and energy and impact and leadership and blessing our community and advancing common good and giving up my energy to things that, you know, is not going to do anything back for me. I want to be more known for that than be known for what all the stuff I have in my life or the abilities and the talents you have blessed me so I can put it on a resume. 
What are we doing? Trying to get to something better all the time? God, use me has been my prayer. So God, I said to to the Lord, I said, God, if you're going to bless me with talents, go ahead and bless me because I need more talents so I can bless other people with talents and train them and equip them. If you're going to give me more time and capacity to help other people, Lord, let it be so that I can teach other people and give away help so I can spread the love and acts of kindness and spread this joy and literally be maybe the only guy who's not going to be mean to somebody in a drive through because they didn't give me my ranch sauce. Let me be that guy so I can pass it on. More ideas so I can give it away. More gifts so I can give it away. More abilities so I can give it away. More finances so I can give it away. God wants to bless you, but are you blessable? That's what it comes down to. See, if we're going to be kingdom building people, are you focused on his kingdom or your kingdom? Are you going to be people that are more concerned? God, what are you really saying to me? And build his kingdom. Or are you like, God, enlarge my territory. I like that promise. Isaiah 58, 5 to 12. God talks through Isaiah in this prophetic word. And it's amazing. Some of these prophetic words in these chapters. uh, Maybe some of you guys have tried to read this before. You'll notice it almost sounds like it's going one direction one way. And then it goes a whole different direction another way in scripture. Well, Scripture sometimes is laid out that way because it's actually telling you the answer to the problem. So in the first seven verses, um, from five through eight, five through seven, you'll notice God challenging people, challenging the religious, challenging those inside the wall. And then he says in the rest from 8 to 12, he actually gives us promises of what would happen if we actually got a hold of it. See, God always will not force you to be the person he has destined for you to be. That is your choice. That is your worship. It's not just lifting your hands. Your life is your worship. He will never force you to do something you don't want to do because then it's forced. And God wants pure worship in spirit and in truth. So why would, why would he not come and make you do it? Because he wants you to have the choice. Some of us, we've made so many choices against God, to be honest, without knowing it's against God. Because we're nice about it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Am I making sense here? In other words, we think that when you're living in the gray, it actually means it's not black or white just means that I'm just doing nothing. I'm just stand still. So if God asks you to go here and not there, if you didn't go there or there, it's all good. You're just in the middle. I'm not forced to make a decision. Don't force me to make a decision, Jesus. And I'm telling you that if you read the Old Testament, especially the Old Testament and definitely the New Testament as well, you'll notice that God is always speaking through prophetic words about saying, hey, you may be going through this, but I want you to do this. You may be doing this, but if you do this, I'll do this. That's what's happening in this scripture. Let's read it together. God's saying through the Isaiah prophet, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Is this the kind of religion I have chosen? Is this the kind of lifestyle I have chosen? 
only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? At this time in Israel's history, the temple was full of people. People were coming in by the droves. Everything looked like it was happening. But inside their hearts, nothing was going on. Attendance was good. Money was good. Leadership was good. Serving was good. Kids ministry was good. Youth ministry is good. Branding and marketing is good. Worship ministry is good. Missions ministry is good. Can I keep going going? Everything is good. But God is challenging them. Verse 6, is, it, is not this the kind of fast I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. What was happening? God was saying, hey, everything's going good, and I'm blessing you. That's awesome. The house of God is blessed and flourishing and it's full. But now what about outside? What about these apartments right here? What about the fact that down the road on Euclid Heights Boulevard, we got homes? What about my Jewish friends right here on South Taylor? What about my friends in the rest of the Heights area? What about our schools? What about the orphans? What about the foster care system that's broken? What about the people in need? Verse 8, he changes the dynamic and says, here's what I'll do it. Here's what I'll do if you'll do it. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Promise number one. You can mark that in your Bible. Number two, and your healing will quickly appear. Promise number two. Three, then your righteousness will go before you. Number four, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Some of us, we're too busy watching our back all the time. We're like, I can't do what God wants me to do because I'm just, I got too much going on. Last week we talked about this. We got to allow the provision of God to be behind us and move forward through the waters that have been parted and go into the miracle. Sometimes we're just like, no, God's here. You need to fight. I need to fight. Verse number nine, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. Come on. How many guys could use these promises in your life? Oh, we're not done yet. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. Man, and your night will become like the noonday, the brightest time of the day. Verse 11, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring, those whose water never fail. 
These are promises from God if we align ourselves to the purposes of God. Verse number 12, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairers of the broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. I want you to capture that picture in your heart. Do you know when we, yes we, about a few of us here today, even if a two or three got a hold of this, we can begin to repair the city of Cleveland. We can be part of fixing the broken walls. We can be part of restoring the streets. Some of us complain more about the roads being bad here than actually getting ourselves spiritually in a place to say, I want to be part of fixing the spiritual roads. We complain more about where's our tax money going? Should be fixing these streets. The snow plow should be out here. We should be that intense about being aligned with God and saying, God, I want to be aligned with you so that I can be used. God, let it be so of New Song Church that we are people who are called, not we claim but who are called because of our action, repairers of broken walls, restorers of streets with dwellings, families being restored. 40 plus percent of the Heights area. This right here, single parents. Single parents, 40 plus percent. We should be helping every single, single parent there is. Do you hear me? Why? Because we are called to be repairers of broken walls. Because we are called to be restorers of streets with dwellings. We have a huge problem of opioid abuse and drug abuse. We have a huge problem of homelessness in our community. We should be that church. We must be that church. We must be that people. About two months ago, I was driving downtown. And there's a row of churches, many of them not doing good, at least from the outside. And right there, as I was driving by, and I slowed down, because I saw a group two guys sitting on the steps of this church. And on the doorstep of the church, one man was inserting a needle into the arm of another man. At some point, God will ask us, all individually, what we did as followers and repairers of the, of the walls that are broken. And our answer cannot be, well, God, I, I had to work a job. I had to work 80 hours a week, Lord. I really didn't have time. I don't have time to do these things. Our answer can be, well, Lord, to be honest, I got two or three crazy people in my house, and they're called kids. And I'm ministering to them. 
And I'm busy with them, and I'm trying to give them their best life ever. And my whole life is dedicated to just to my clan. At some point, God is going to ask us, did we build his kingdom? See, some of us, we're more interested in doing good than actually doing it. We're more interested in talking about it than actually fulfilling the, God, the call that God called us to be activated in it. Let me give you a promise that God has to continue this theme that he will bless you if you are blessable. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 to 3 says this, And I will make you a great nation, God is telling Abraham. And I will bless you and make your name great. Wow. Abraham, you, your name is going to be great. Why? So that you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, I want you guys to read this with me all together. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You know what's amazing? That when you're in the purposes of God, all you're doing is looking ahead. You're never looking behind. Even if God achieved things in your life like Abraham's life, you're actually forward focused. Because all that God has for you has been pre-planned and predestined. And all the equipping that you need and all the empowering that you need, all the skills that you need, all the resources that you need, it's ahead of you. So you don't have to spend time looking behind. In order to go into more than you need, more than you need, you have to walk forward. And it's hard sometimes because it's a little dark. Sometimes God's taking business in the, care of business in the back. Sometimes you don't know what people are saying. Maybe sometimes you don't know how things are going to work out. Maybe you don't know what's happening next or what to do. Or maybe you feel a little underqualified. But God is saying, that's the kind of person I'm looking for. That's the kind of spirit I'm looking for. And guess what? The only reason why the Lord is going to go ahead and bless your name. Let me just say this out loud. We, we, we pray about this. Lord, bless me. The only reason why it's going to happen is if you are forward-focused and wanting to bless His name. Do you understand? I am telling you, you can take it to the bank. It's, I know it sounds a little too basic. But if you bless His name and you walk in His will, what happens is God has to. So some of you guys are thinking, you know, well, God, you know, pastor, that's, that's fancy. That's a 4,000-year-old promise. Let me give you a New Testament verse that's similar. Galatians 3, 14. He redeemed us in order that... I love the New Testament. It makes it so clear, doesn't it? Y'all thought I was going to be like, oh, that's Old Testament, pastor. We're in the New Covenant. Let me bring it down to the New Covenant for us. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to... Oh, my goodness. So we weren't included in the previous promise, but in the New Testament, we're included. How? Let's find out. Through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Okay, so let's do this again. So in the Old Testament, it was a little scary. All right, God, I'm Abraham. 
moving to what? Where am I going? I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. God, tell me where I'm going. Just go, Abraham. Just go. You know, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is included in the mix. So not only can we say God's behind me, God is for me, God's got my back, but literally you're walking ahead and you're saying, wow, I'm confident. I'm confident in the will of God for my life because the Holy Spirit is with me. He is for me. He's guiding me. He's encouraging me. He's challenging me. He is for me. He is not against me. So I can be confident in what God is doing. More than you need. You know, some of us are like, I better, I better really, really start looking at what I'm praying. <laughs> it's true. You know, it's uh, a few months ago, we released this and we said, as a church, our vision is what? We exist to impact our world with the love and life-giving message of Jesus Christ by empowering and equipping people to make a difference in their sphere of culture. So why is that statement a huge deal to us as a church? Why is it a big deal to me? It's because this is what the church is supposed to look like. You want to know what New Song is about. You just look at that statement and you will find the purpose of what we do and why we do it. And it's not going to change. It's not. The purpose of why we gather, the reason why we exist is to impact our world. What you do matters. Do you hear me? The spheres of culture that we talk about are arts, entertainment, media, business, the social sector, education, government, family, and the church. So we have a tendency to think that the church is the only place that you can make a difference. And I want every single person here to be serving in some capacity. I want every single person here basically giving generously of your resources to what God is doing here. I want every single person in these buildings using it every day. I don't care if the utility building bill is going to be high. As long as the kingdom of God is being blessed, open the place up. Let it be used. But at the end of the day, your Monday through Saturday matters too. If you are a homemaker, you know, right now, Audrey's focused a lot on the family. What she is doing matters to God. If you're at home doing nothing with your life, you're not hiding from Jesus. He knows. What are you doing at home? Is your home in order? Is your family in order? You see what I'm saying? If you own a business here, is your business actually blessable? Or is this just a fancy statement that the new pastor came in and he seems like somebody with glasses on and he came up with a cool statement that one day we're going to put on the wall and say we exist, but it's not really happening. The church is not about the pastor. It is about people. And this is why as long as I'm your pastor, you will be equipped and you will be empowered to make a difference in every channel of culture. Every channel. We will prophesy on the streets. We will prophesy in Cleveland Clinic. It may not sound like a prophecy, and you probably can say, Thus saith the Lord. But it is prophecy. I don't want you to get fired, so don't get fired, okay? Over doing crazy things. You know, it's interesting that we, sometimes when we hear these things, that we think that God wants to make us guilty. He doesn't want to make us feel guilty. He doesn't. He wants us responsible. 
Do you hear me? He wants us responsible with the gifts that he has given us and the blessings he has given us. How responsible are you with what you have? It's a question your pastor challenges himself every single day. My standard is the Lord's standard. It is not another pastor. It's not another person. I ask the Lord every day when I wake up, God, give me wisdom to be the best I can be today. And help me at the end of the day to realize that you are pleased with me. Because every effort that I want to do, I want to be responsible and I'll be a responsible steward of what he has given me. Statistics say the more a person makes in terms of money, the less they give. And I think the more time that a person has, actually the less they give of their time. See, when we're super busy and you have a career and you're busy traveling or doing things, you would say probably, I wish I had more time. And I can tell you right now that probably, most likely, when you do get time, you're not going to do much. Because if you can't do something with the one hour that you have a week, what makes you think you're going to do something with ten? It's just science, says Nacho Libre. Right? Incredible that we as people sometimes make this thing called Christianity so complex. Oh man, you got to go to Bible college. You got to be called pastor or something. You got to be called deacon something, minister something, bishop something, apostle something, evangelist something, prophet something, and then you can do something for God. Scripture in the gospel teaches the exact opposite. You are qualified the second you accept Jesus into your life. He says, come follow me. He does not say, come follow strategy. He says, come follow me. Love gives love. Success gives more success away. Hope breeds hope. Joy breeds joy. Peace gives away peace. It does not hold these things and say, well, it's for me. Luke 12, 48. Jesus says, when someone has been given much, which we all have been given much, much will be uh, required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. God has a standard for us. And that is to make a difference. Second Corinthians 9.11 says this. You will be enriched in every way. Praise God. I love that verse. Bring the disco ball out. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous. Do you hear me? So that you can be generous. Generous people are blessed to give. You know why? Because they actually have something to give. So the blessing is in the giver, not in the receiving. Both are blessed, but it's more blessed to give than to receive. This all starting to make a little bit of sense, isn't it? The kingdom way of doing things. See, we cannot forget what the more is for. We were hollering at the start of this message. 
exceedingly abundantly more than what we could ask, imagine, or think for, and what were we hollering for more? But we can't forget what the more is for. The more in your life already has an assignment. It is not for you, ladies and gentlemen. It is for building his kingdom. It is not for you. It is for helping his kingdom advance. It is not for you to keep. It is for you to give away to the kingdom. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jewish tradition, some of you guys know this. And some other, you know, some other uh, countries and um, ethnic groups have this as well. Where the oldest son got double the inheritance. To, you remember that? You've heard of that before? In fact, in Indian families which I need to talk to my dad about, by the way. You know, the oldest son got double the inheritance. For years, I used to be like, oh, this is the favor of God to be the oldest son. And sometimes we get into that mode. God, it's such a favor to be that person, a Christian. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, right? We can get so excited about it, we forget what it is for. You know why the oldest son was given a double inheritance? Because he was responsible for taking care of the family. That money wasn't for him. Some of us, we want that money. We think if we can position ourselves to be God's favorite, then somehow we're more blessed. You don't want to be God's favorite. You're going to be given a lot. I want to encourage you today. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. God is not looking for those he can make his favorites. He is looking for those who he can trust and entrust to have his favor rest on them. That is what God is looking for. He's looking for people that are good stewards, that have open hands, that say, God, whatever you entrust to me, I'm going to be able to say, your will be done. Whatever it is that heaven is giving me right now on earth as it is in heaven. How many guys would say right now that God has given you gifts and skills? Right? I mean, look at this. This is amazing. Yes, you're aware of it. At least one or half or quarter. Maybe you like to smile at people. I don't know. Hospitality. You know, raising kids is tough, but I know that that's tough too. But the truth is you haven't killed them yet. Praise God. So you got some kind of gift in your life. Right? God wants us to use those gifts. I believe in the future, this church is going to be known for fighting human trafficking. We will be known for restoring families and broken marriages. We will be known for planting more churches that don't even have our name on it. We're just going to bless the kingdom just because we can. And you don't have to be a campus of New Song. You can just be a church that's healthy and reaching people. Amen. We may have campuses, but I could care less. I want to build his kingdom. And we ought to be that people. Hebrews 12, 15 to 17. I'm going to close the message here. And we're going to respond to him. And we're going to take a legitimate next step here.
I want to share with you a couple things about what God has spoken to me about these next few weeks. Hebrews 12, 15 to 17 says this, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau. I want you to pay attention to this. Who for a single meal sold his inheritance and his rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. I think as a church, we are in a pivotal moment. And if you're a guest here today, you're welcome to come back. You're part of us. And I just want you to hear my heart for the kingdom of God, for the, for the big C church. But as a church, as a new song church, God is positioning us to do something. And we're coming to a fork in the road. You hear what I'm saying? The fork in the road is this. Are we going to go ahead and give up the blessings that God has given us? Are we going to sell it for mediocrity? Are we going to sell it for insecurity? Are we going to sell it for bitterness and unforgiveness? Are we going to sell the blessings of God that God has given us away? Are we going to cheaply just say, you know what? For the immediate satisfaction of what is uh, what I need right now, I'm going to sell it. Or are we going to be people who can be entrusted to keep that birthright? God has a plan for you and for you and for you and for you. I cannot discover that plan for you. I cannot make you do things.